Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing to learn Masech the Shkolem. Ending and finishing Perak Beis with Mishnah Hay, beginning Perak Gimel, Mishnah Aleph. And we are continuing to discuss what happens when there's a surplus of money left over after one makes a pledge for a particular, uh, to give their shekel. And we're going to see that we're going to then discuss um, anytime there's ever a surplus of money when someone designates and consecrates money for a particular carbon in the base of Mikdash. This is going according to the opinion of Beis Shammai of the previous Mishnah, excuse me, Beis Hill in the previous Mishnah, that if someone pledges money to, for the shekel, it turns out they pledge too much, the leftover remains Hulin, whereas Moser Asiris Eifo, the uh, eighth of an Eifo flower for the Chatas, Moser Kinezavim, the Zav, as well as we'll see the Zavos and the Oledes, someone, a woman who gave birth, they have to bring a pair of birds, as well as anyone who pledges to bring a chatas or an ashram to, uh, uh, to sin offerings, the leftover money goes to a nadava, goes into a pot, which used to buy voluntary communal offerings. And the reason for that is, is because since there's a sliding scale of the value of a ashram or a kina or uh, the asiris eifa, and therefore, whatever you pledge, we assume you intended to give. And if it turns out you didn't need all that money, so it's still the, the remainder money is still remains consecrated because you technically could have used it. The rule is anything that was pledged for an asham or a chatas, the leftover remains and consecrated and is used for a voluntary communal offering. And it puts into it goes into a box that says voluntary communal offering. Moshe Ola Ola, but the leftover for an Ola. Uh, goes for another Ola, most for the Mincha Lemincha, for the flower offering goes to the, the flower offering, most of Shlom Lashlamin, leftover Shlamin goes to another Shlamin, Moser Pesel Lashlamin. As we've noted multiple times when we learned Psachin together, the carbon Pesach is essentially a glorified carbon Shlamin, as in it's a carbon Shlamin, but it has some additional rules. Therefore, if you pledge, let's say, $100 for your Pesach, and it turns out you only needed 90 well, the additional $10 can be used for a shlamim in the rest of the year, because you can't bring a Pesach other than an Erev Pesach or Pesach Sheni. Most of the Zirim and Zirim, they used to have a pot in the Beis HaMikdash, a, a, a box, and that, there they would collect money for any Nazir who was in need, who could not afford to bring the, the Karbonos, the sacrifices that they needed to bring. Therefore, someone pledges money for any Nazir in need, and it turns out the Nazir doesn't need all of it, so then it can go towards another poor Nazir. However, in Zirim, uh, most... Um, However, if there's a person pledges money for a specific Nazir, the Shimon the Nazir, and someone says, I'm going to give you $100 towards your Karbonos, it turns out only 90 the remainder of it does not go for other Nazirim, but left over it is designated for voluntary Karbonos. Because it was designated for a particular Nazir, it can't be used for other Nazirim. Okay, a person collects money for the poor people, the remainder of it goes to other poor people if the, if the person, if, the, if there's a need. However, most ani laos ani. But let's say people collect for for Shimon now the poor person. They collect money for him. It turns out he only needed ninety dollars and they collected hundred. Since they collected on his behalf, the hundred dollars, all hundred goes to him, even though he didn't need all of it because it's designated and it belongs to him. I think generally now this is very halachal so The assumption is that if, if, if the rabbi, let's say, calls you up and says someone needs money to help uh, pay their groceries. The, and the person gives them money, it's kind of done on the condition or with the intention that if, if in the event that the person doesn't need all of it, the rabbi can keep the money and give it to someone else. And I don't even know if that has to be specified uh, verbally. It's just the, that's the assumption. Okay. If a person says, I'm collecting money for, to redeem cap, captives, whatever is not needed goes to redeem other captives, but if they say I'm collecting to redeem a specific captive, so then it goes to that captive. 
Moser Hamesim Lemesim. If a person says, I'm collecting money to help bury uh, people, so then it goes to, to whatever surplus is left over goes towards other burials. Wherever Moshe Hamesh, a person says, I'm collecting money to now Shimon passed away. Shimon's got a difficult life here. First, he was a Nazir, then he was poor, and now he passes away. So then Liarshiv goes to his children, he gets to remain her money. Remeir Omer, Moshe Hamesh, Yemunach, Ach Yavu, Eliyahu. Rav Meir, however, says no, that the money is put aside until Eliyahu comes, the prophet comes, and then can pass judgment on what's going on, on, on what should we do with the surplus money raised for a mace. What's going on here? So it's essentially as follows. The background to this is, it's a great bazillion, it's a great uh, disgrace to have to raise money to bury someone. And the Tanakama is working under the assumption that a person will forego that honor or will subjugate themselves after they pass away to this great indignity of having money raised on their behalf because they console themselves with the fact that any leftover money will go to their children. So at least, at the very least, my children will benefit. And that's what the children get, the leftover money, the remainder money. Whereas Ramirez says it's not so clear a person will be willing to forego their honor on behalf, even though their heirs will get some of the money. And since he's not sure, he says the money has to be put, basically has to be put into, uh, put, put away, put aside because we don't know what to do with it. He says, no, you know what you could do with that surplus money? Build a nice monument. Get him a nice um, a mausoleum. Get him something something big on top of his grave. Get a nicer grave. Okay. Mishnah Aleph of Paragimel. Bishlosha Prokim Mishana Trominus Alishka. They would have, he had all this money now in these boxes. And three times a year, they would reach into these boxes and remove money in order to pay for the various carbonos. One worthy. Poros HaPesach, Poros Ateros, Poros HaChag. 15 days before Pesach, Poros technically means half, 15 days before Shavuos, and 15 days before Sukkot. Good. Once we're on this topic of discussing 15 days before, there's another halacha that is as follows. If someone has an animal, well, someone has a flock of animals, every tenth animal is considered meiser and belongs and has to be given away, uh, given towards the um, Kohen. Now, the que- the question is as follows. The... the um, the rabbis decreed that after that after on these days as well, we consider that these are the times when the meiser has to be given, which means as follows, that if you have a flock of animals and it hit the 15 days before Pesach, now you are forbidden from having benefit from these animals until you remove the appropriate meiser. Almost, almost as if to say, this is considered, if you recall, we learned Zrayim together, this is considered Gemar Malacha. Now, these are quote-unquote tevel. You can't, have, you can't have benefit from them unless you remove the appropriate tithes. Okay, Dibra Rabbi Kiva, that's according to Rabbi Akiva. 15 days before each holiday, Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot is when the time kicks in that one has an obligation. Now the obligation kicks in to remove the every 10th animal, and that's that's what's going on here. Ben-Azai Omer, Ben-Azai says, on the 29th day of Adar, which is 15 days before Pesach, on the first month of Sivan, which is only five days prior to Shavuos, and the reason is because there weren't so many animals born between Pesach and Shavuos, like there was between, let's say, Sukkot and Pesach. So you don't need as much time. And on the 29th of the month of Av, which is a month before Bekiva's day, is when the, the when the obligation kicks into Meiser. Now, the reason why he is a month earlier is because he's unsure, Ben Az is unsure when exactly we can we consider the um, the uh, new year for Meiser. The halacha is that when you remove an, the 10th animal, you can only remove animals from that year's 
uh, flock. Meaning to say that in 2023, I remove every 10th animal goes towards Meister. What if my animals from 2023 and 2022 get mixed up? Now I can't remove the Meister because, again, you can only remove Meister from that year's yield. Therefore, he's unsure when exactly the year begins or the year, or the year ends. If you want to look at it that way, is it the first of Elul or is it on or is it later, or the first of Tishrei, which is Rosh Hashanah? So he just brings everything back a month earlier, so that we can avoid this, uh, this, uh, this, 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 not this, this, this uh, suffix. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon gives another opinion. Nisan, the first, first day of the month of Nisan, fourteen days prior to Pesach, not fifteen. Be'echab Sivan, the first day of Sivan, which is like Benazai, which is uh, six days before. Be'ezav Tishrei Ella, and the twenty-ninth day of month of El, which is fifteen days before Sukkot. So. Um, then he says, The question now is, why did the sages say on the 29th day of Elo, which is 15 days before Sukkot, and not saying the first of Tishrei, which is 14 days before Sukkot? Meaning, why did they say 15, 15 days before Pesach, but only 14 days before Sukkot? And the answer is, um, because what's the what's 15 days before Sukkot? Sukkot? It's Yom Tov, it's Rosh Hashanah. You can't take Therefore, they advanced it to the 29th month of Elo, uh, the, of the, of the 29th month of Elo. I wish you all a wonderful day.